It's not uncommon to hear acknowledgement that there are many struggles involved in being a black man in America. What is uncommon is acknowledgement that by definition, all human struggles impact mental health. Depression, trauma, anxiety, strength, growth. These outcomes are often precipitated or at least influenced by individuals' life struggles. And yet it is difficult to find conversation dedicated to examining the lived experience of black men and connecting these experiences with emotional functioning. These conversations are intended to be exploratory and thought-provoking. And while it is hoped that some will find them healing, they are not intended to be therapeutic in a clinical sense. Welcome to the Emotional Lives of Black Men podcast. To me, a community is a, a small or big group of individuals who share some kind of commonality, if it's a neighborhood or if it's a small space, some kind of space that we share. Small community, though, I'd say. Bunch of different people. Did you get that growing up? I think I did. I had more of a, a real-life neighborhood. It was, it was an active neighborhood. I was friends with my, my neighbors. My, some of my neighbors babysat me, I remember that. And it was no big deal until it died. It, it came, I don't know when it died, but it came a point where everybody started minding their own damn business. And you don't even notice until you, you come out to a place like Oakland and then you see the same people over and over again. You know, you get to know people and suddenly these random strangers are willing to help. You know, we can all help each other in certain kind of ways. And so I, I feel a sense of community out here that I didn't, I'm not saying doesn't exist where I'm from, but just it's, it's stronger here. And from, what, what brought you out to Oakland? I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, I, truthfully, a crossroads. So a big quarter-life crisis, a girl, and my barber. That's what brought me out to, to the Bay Area, I'd say. Describe what quarter-life you know, all right. To me, my quarter life crisis was so. I started when the recession hit. I um I got into banking, yeah. randomly. It was a, it was a, it was just a hail mary, and I I ended up getting hired, and uh, I did it for a couple of years. And a couple of years in, I was at a family's gathering, and somebody was asking me how things were going. And I remember saying, uh, I was giving them the updates. Everything's good. I says, you know, everything's great, but I'm not gonna die a banker. And he says, all right, cool. They didn't really give a shit. And uh, I kind of slept on it that night. And I woke up the next day and I was like, damn, I really meant that. What's that mean? You know, and then that's where, that's where it started to me. It started asking, what's that mean? Who am I? What do I want? What do I believe in? What do I stand for? What do I want to die as? What, what mountain do I want to go out on? Who, you know, what do I want my name to mean? Yeah. And those are very unimportant questions at, at 23. But, well... I was asking those questions and I, I wasn't getting any answers from any, any of my peers or adults or, or you know, anybody older than me because everybody just said the same thing. We're too young to worry about it. But in me, to me, I, I realized, you know, midlife crisis is very much a thing. That's a, that's a, that's a public thing. People, people go through it. And to me, I want, it made me wonder, worry, you know, that's how you end up in a midlife crisis, not worrying about it until it's not exactly too late, but how much time do you have to do something you want to do? Right. So I, I just refused to let that go. And so it aided me. And fast forward two more years. So I've, I've been baking for five years. And so by the time I left, you know, by the time it was time to come out here, I didn't quit. I more of, I evolved, you know, I grew out of it. Because I, I also didn't want to feel like a quitter. I couldn't tell if I was uh, trying to escape something I didn't like doing by asking those questions. But no, it was just simply uh, a thought process that, that started this evolution that's really culminated Starting to really starting to wrap itself up now, I'd say. Yeah. 
I asked about the quarter life crisis because I guess that's something similar to what brought me out here asking those those same questions. I mean, for me, it happened in my late twenties um, after a period of just living in this comfortable bubble. Yeah. But um, comfort that the a, a past relationship <laughs> and and just what I wanted like the work. I wanted my life to to be connected to. And so I had to, it was a lot of self-evaluation, a lot of self-evaluation, a lot of asking those tough questions. And then just seeing like, do I really have to be here? Like, is is it necessary for me to be here? Like, how how am I limiting my growth by staying where I'm at? There it is. Is it necessary for me to be here? That was a, yeah, that's a very important question. That I think it was what got me out here. Yeah. How did your um, fam- family dynamic contribute to you reaching that crossroads where you ask yourself, "All right, what do I want my life to be?" Yeah. Um, I think that's something I'm I'm t- kind of dealing with now. <clears throat> now that I have I've been able to start reflecting on you know I guess the fi- family dynamic part that got me out here. Uh, I remember, so like I said, it was my barber that got me out here. She's a part of the reason. It was in the barber chair and, you know, the conversation that got me out here. She, uh, I remember one of my reasons for not wanting to come out here is because of my family. You know, I felt like I was, I felt like I contributed to my family. I felt like I was a, an important, I, play, I felt like I played an important role. Yeah. And uh, I remember saying, you know, I'd rather be, I'd rather be miserable around my family with, rather than successful without. And uh, she shut it down. She says, you know, well, they'll always be here. They'll always be just fine. They're going to be doing, they'll be doing exactly the same thing that you left them doing. Everything's going to stay the same here. Yeah. And it's true. But, you know, kind of, it kind of, it kind of opened me up a little bit. I realized it's true because at that time I was dealing with a lot. I was dealing with my life is beginning to change. So I wasn't around my family anyway. You know, I was, I, was, I was already in my head figuring things out. And, you know, so the dynamic didn't play the biggest role, but now I succeeded. You know, I feel successful, and I, it's, kind of, it's kind of haunting me a little bit because I, they're, not, they're not here to see it, you know, no one's around. Yeah. And so it does tie into what I said. You know, I would have rather been comfortable there miserably as a banker around my family who I get to see whenever I want rather than successful without sending pictures. So I'm grateful to be successful and I'm not stopping, but at the same time, I can't help but, you know, it sucks to not have them here. Yeah. So what is successful to you right now? Like, what is that? How, how right do you express now, that? Like, so that's, a, that's, that's another thing I battle with, the success, personal success. I, I don't know how to embrace it and feel successful. Yeah. But for the first time, since I'd say 2012 when this whole adventure started, I finally, I did everything I set out to do. And that was one, you know, figure out what I wanted to do, two, do it, and three, well, do it right, right. I guess. Um, and so I guess the, right now, the personal success comes from a place that, I, you know, when I started asking those, myself those questions at 25, what do I want in life, what do I want, what do I stand in, what do I believe in? Um, the biggest takeaway was that I need to work for myself. It, there's no way, there's no way that I'm going to spend my life working for anybody else. It's just, 
I, I realized that early on. And the problem was, is that I didn't know what the hell that looked like. I just knew that it just, that's just what it looked like. Yeah, well, you know? where did that desire come from? Was that something that just was, came from your family or was it that something came you from, just cultivated yourself? That came from working, you know, working the, the corporate life, working, yeah. I worked at Circuit City and then the bank life and then with Domino's. I've had regular jobs my whole life, having yeah. bosses. And I don't call my, I don't, I don't consider myself a rebel, but I do have an issue with following rules that I don't believe in. I have an issue with doing things that I don't, you know, that I don't truly believe in. And that's a part of the game. That's what you do. That's, that's working a job. I mean, yeah. truthfully, that's, that's, that's literally life. You know, that's yeah. what anybody will tell you. That's just, a, that's how life is. And so that's where my, my problem lied. It was like, well, then that's not where I'm going to live. I'm out, you know, yeah. I'll figure it out. But, and so I consider, you know, I consider myself successful now because I did it. You know, I struggled to get here. Nothing was handed, but it's not about that stuff. It's the story stuff was tied. My business isn't failing. And, you know, I'm able to pay my bills and eat. Mm-hmm. And I own all my time. And I, I, I answer to no one. Yeah. And quite frankly, I wanted all this by 30, but that was just, you know, that's just myself having goals. There's no deadline on that. Yeah. So I deal with, you know, I'm a dreamer, but I face reality first. And so I understood that, you know, that day could never come. On the way here, getting here, you know, it was so hard that I didn't know if it would ever come. And so I kind of got used to that. I realized maybe I will be 45, 50 when, all, when I finally do it, but I'm still going to try. So I did it here at 30 and I won. So I, I, I got to admit it's a success now. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, if I, I had I had to I came to this realization about two weeks ago. It was a hell of a breakdown, but that's what that's what it was. Yeah. What was the breakdown like? I'm no longer struggling. Yeah. I'm no longer surviving. I finally did it. I'm so used to surviving, and I um I had a bit of a, a panic attack, <laughs> a bit of a, a bit of a nervous breakdown because it's like I am I'm a little bored right now. You know, I I did it. I I've been running for six years, and I don't have to run anymore, and I uh, now it's time to start moving forward. But the transition is what it was. I guess it came. It was a pivotal moment where I had to face it and realize, wow, I'm not. I don't have to figure out how to survive anymore. I'm doing it. Here we are. So, what is it? The process you miss? Because it's not that I miss, but I'm geared. That's what I am. Yeah. I, I'm ready to survive now. You know, everything's going great, but yeah. I just can't help it. <laughs> like I, I just I picked up a pen. I started clicking this pen. I got a bit of a fidget now. Yeah. Because I don't have to do it myself. I'm so used yeah. to figuring it the hell out. Always figuring it out. I'm so used to figuring it out. Yeah. And um, I don't have to. So where, where do you think the root of this, like, dissatisfaction comes from? Like, that's stopping you just from, I guess, experiencing the joy of achieving your goals. I think I'm just not used to this yet. You know, yeah. I, I, I geared myself to... I accept that I would be... Because I... I this isn't new. I've always figured it out. I've been figuring it out my whole my whole adulthood, figuring out what I need to do to get to where I need to go. And I'm used to that. It's just the thing is, you know, I've gotten quite used to life not really uh, life not really allowing you to just do that. You know, life yeah. gets in, life gets in the fucking way every chance it gets, and it's, and it's ruthless. You know, you're not. It, you, I've learned more now in life that as as a black man, I'm not set up to win. I mean, I'm not. I don't. I never play victim. It's not about that. It's just I'm finally understanding that some things just weren't built for me to, to be. I don't know how to say it yet. Some things weren't, weren't put in place for me to just just get through this easily. So I'm used to surviving. And uh, do you think that's like just a black man struggle? Well, now I do. 
you know, I didn't, growing, the way I, growing up with my, my parents, you know, I was raised white. So yeah. it's a lot now, of things. Well, were, what do you mean by raised white? Uh, so my parents are, they were, they were, they were some old white people. It's yeah. plain and simple. I love them. My mom was born in 39, you know? Yeah. So things are a little more old fashioned now, but they were, they, they raised three black kids though. So they're still modern, you know, it was great. But the thing is they, they weren't, now I understand better than ever that they weren't black. So there's certain experiences that they had to witness, but will never, mm -hmm. you know, go through. Right. And so they raised us the best that they can and as open-minded as possible. And they let us experience and live life. But I had their, their guidance and protection though. And yeah. it was very, now I see the difference, you know, so and how it helped me. How, how, how did you prepare? Like, how did you get that level of, like preparation for the experiences only someone black or only a black male could go through? I, I'm one. I didn't. Yeah. I, I didn't even know. I don't. I'm still like I said, I'm just now starting to learn being yeah. out here in Oakland and understanding just uh, the way the system set up. Okay. And so this is all new to me now, but so, you know, and it, there's no way I could have helped that if I, yeah. you know, being at home, I was, I mean, that's my family, you know, I, that's just what I know. But at the same time, the level of struggle is a little different. I, I had a lot more protection and comfort out there, right? you know, but also there, you know, there's a little bit more, uh, it's more of a small town out there. Yeah. And so it's a big city, but it's still, still a bit of a small town in mentalities and, 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 and manners. Right. And so it you know, I was, that's what I was used to. So how did this unique um, upbringing like shape your mentality? I guess my mentality? shape your mentality or, or you know influence your mentality. Well, especially I, for what you wanted to achieve, but now what the life you're living now. I didn't. I never noticed until I started talking about it as a barber. I didn't even notice, you know, how much it, how many tools I had. Right. I hadn't know how many tools I had until yeah. I started having to use them out here on my own and now that I am you know I, I try to I try to immerse myself in my community you know yeah. most of my peers out here are black that's by design but it's like you know there's just certain things that if I didn't know better I would be confused you know like yeah. why you know a lot I'd have a lot more questions about why why my peers deal with things certain ways right. and um, that's interesting that you say you didn't know until you started having these conversations as a barber. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, the same thing for me with my barber. I always feel like the relationship with a black man and a barber is like one of those most important relationships yeah. you have. Like in a way, they're, they're like your therapist. That's what got me out here. Yeah. You know, it's but, what that is. It's a level of, I'd say realness, but I hate that word. But it's a level of realness that you just can't, you can't imitate, yeah. you can't seek out. Yeah. It just is. I mean, I didn't, I didn't find my barber until I was a freshman in high school. And he was asking me questions that I just wasn't being, like, used to ask, not even from my father. So yeah. for another male, he was, he was Puerto Rican, so another male of color to be, sh like, showing <laughs> this interest yeah. in my personal life, not just having me sit on his chair while he just cuts his hair and talk right. about stuff that wasn't relevant to me. It's an extended friendship. Yeah. I, it's hard for me to call my, my, my friends clients. Like, it's, yeah, we're clients, but I mean, professionally, but, it, you know, it, it, it's a friendship. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's just uh, it's just at a different rate. You know, you see, it's being able to catch up once a month rather than just being more constant. Yeah. You guys get to know each other. That's what that is. So how, how are you using this profession to create a community, 
especially in in your own your own workspace conversation first and foremost yeah you know i've always valued the art of conversation because it, conversation is powerful to me conversation is what's gotten us as far as humanity yeah. and uh it's what's going to get us to everywhere we're going to go so I've, i took value in that you know as a I learned I learned the value of conversation when you know said during that quarter life crisis situation. Like I, uh, the one thing as a banker I took away was was the community I was building. I had a small group of people who who would frequent the place, and you know it was a small small family. Yeah. And I valued that the most, aside from the the politics and the business of banking, it was the people that I appreciated, and I appreciated the people because of conversation. So here, you know, that's my way of. Um, of building a community that I'm, I'm yeah, looking to build here right. is is through conversation. That's that's my way of 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 playing politics. That's my way of of, of guidance. It's my way of seeking answers. It's my way of helping. It's my that's my contribution to to the culture, my culture, my community, to everything. That's my contribution is just conversation. And creating this place was this came from you know one. I'm, I consider myself a creative being, and I. I always wanted to create a cozy space for people to just chill, lounge, and open up and be who they are, so that they, that way they can have the level of conversation that's needed to to, to progress. Yeah, because you know I was out, I went out, I was out socially last night, and it just um, I get antsy now because I can't. Conversation is so limited when you're out publicly because of of the ways you're supposed to act, right? And, yeah. and it's, it hurts. You know, I hate Social small talk. Yeah. I hate small talk so bad, but I get it. I, I totally get it. And I know how to play it. But here, I would almost discourage small talk, but I will never do that. But it's just, I'm building this place, the coziness of the place, of this loft, of this, these walls. You know, I'm putting my personality into it, my being into it, so that people can feel, again, comfortable to, to, to be who they are. Yeah, well, I mean, I personally like to just jump into the deep end. Well, not the deepest end, but the deep end yeah. when it comes to communication. Just, you know what, let's, let's talk about the core of ourselves. And some people might take that as being intense. I've, I mean, I've been told right. that I could be intense sometimes. Right. Which is weird, because on the flip side, some people, the same people will say I'm quiet. Yeah, right. <laughs> so so it, it, it is finding those those people that you just vibe with. So I guess it starts with opening the door, like what you're mm -hmm. doing now, just in creating that space, All right. letting them know that it's, it's available. And I guess they'll just congregate. In some way, that's what it is. Yeah. And, you know, there's never any pressure. Yeah. It's all about feeling, feeling it out and going with it. So correct me if I'm wrong, with your need to, to be challenged to identify the next mountain to climb, how can you translate that into how you want to create community for other people, even outside of, of this great space that you built here? How can you translate your desire, desire to build community? Yeah, but even not even that. When I asked you if you, if you missed the process, going yeah. through that process, there's something in there. Like I'm the same way. Where like I embrace the struggle. Right. It's like there's something to learn about myself, whether it's something that I wasn't aware of or something I just need to work on. So how do I translate that yeah. outside of these walls? So how do you translate your desire? I guess to succeed. To, to, I'm insatiable yeah. with success. Right. I've learned that. Yeah, I'm insatiable. If I'm alive, then I'm I'm, I'm striving. I can't yeah. help it. I, yeah, I refuse. I can't sit still. It, it's just right. I can't. So so that energy, where where do you think you could you could transfer it to in regards to building oh, community? So like outside. Yeah, of, what that is is just stuff. that's the point of building a community. Yeah. So that way, <clears throat> you know, my mind's always doing shit. Yeah. And so 
I'm, I'm building it so that way, first thing first, I'm building the freedom, you know, I've, I've, I, bought my, I got my time back. So now my time is my own. Next yep. is I will free myself financially and then I will build my finances so that way I can afford to do whatever the hell I want right. with any idea. So in the process of doing that, I would be building a community. So that way, as soon as I have a zany idea, I'll be able to tap upon the community that I'm building yeah. and put something, put something else out into the world for, the pe- for people to yeah. enjoy and consume. But also, again, foster conversation. Yeah. So that's my way of, of using that insatiability just to push forward, you know, it's just to keep building. But the, the bigger, you know, it's, there's a bigger vision. But could you share that? I'm not, I'm not sure of it anymore. But, yeah. you know, I, I have a, a bunch of business ideas all tailored around conversations. So, okay. my, you know, my very, very first idea was a, a, a laundromat with some Wi-Fi. You uh-huh. know, give people a reason to just chill. Yeah. Because the laundromat is so damn central. There's so many. Yeah. But the thing is, you don't want to leave a laundromat because you get your, your clothes stolen. Right. But, so you yeah. can sit there. And the thing is, it's, now that we're in 2019, it's so easy to send your damn phone. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But, I mean... Human beings in Iraq, damn it. Oh, yeah. And so the goal is, you know, I wanted to foster that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm nowhere near a laundromat, but that's just one idea. Yeah. And so, you know, fast forward five to ten years, this isn't, it doesn't end here at the loft. You know, yeah. I've got plenty of other ideas. And by the time they're all in motion, people will understand. People will feel it and people will happily, gladly, naturally con- contribute to it. Yeah. Because they, they relate, they identify, they connect. It won't be, you know, it's business, but at the same time, it's not about business. It's not about money. It's, yeah. I guess it's my way of being a, politic, a politician. Yeah. You know, I guess that's my way. It's just because I've learned that people do have a natural desire to fucking want to help. Yep. And yeah. that's nothing wrong with that. But the thing is, that can be, I'm, I'm trying to take advantage of that and then be able to have a network of people willing to help. Yeah. Anybody who needs it. Yeah. How would you describe your, your sense of collaboration? It's tough. Yeah. I, you know, I'm very picky. I'm yeah. terribly picky. I, I operate solo, so it seems like I don't collaborate. But <laughs> my way of collaborating is just, just letting you know that I'm interested in having you in my future and yeah. letting you know that I will. Like the Godfather, you know, in the beginning when the man was, you know, he was asking for his services. He, uh, by the end of that conversation, he says, you know, there may come a day I need, I need I mean, there may come a day I call upon you for your services. That, that day may never come. But if it does, you know, I... I'd like to hope that you, you'd be around to help. Yeah. And so that's my approach to collaboration is I just, yeah. I store, you know, people with, with good opportunity. But the thing is, I foster, instead of networking, just keeping the number, I, I build a friendship out of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty elusive. So it's, it's a very tailored friendship, but it's my, you know. It's I, functional. That's yeah. my, my way of collaboration yeah. is just uh, keeping, this, keeping an intimate circle, but yeah. tailoring it towards, you know, future help. What's what's next for you, man? I don't know. Uh, well, it's between a donut shop yeah. and a men's clothing boutique <clears throat> for now. Yeah, that's 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 what seems to be next. But it's none of my business yet. I'm four months into this one, but yeah. I can't help it. You know, that's like I said, sitting still has been very inspiring, but it's been damn near torture. Yeah. Because that's where the financial freedom comes in. I, yeah. I can't just make that call for myself. I right. can't just go out and, and, and start these other things. I still got to build this. Yeah. So that's what I'd say is next. I mean, it's if, advantageous in a way that you're not going to rest on your laurels. Yeah, that's know? not going to work out. Yeah. I, feel, I feel terrible about it. I don't know what it means. But, <laughs> I, you know, again, I, so being comfortable in my misery yeah. rather than sacrificing for success, like that, 
now that I've done it, now that I've sacrificed, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared of being, of, of sitting still. I'm scared of being comfortable because I could, God damn it, I could be a banker right now. Yeah. And there's nothing, I could have a house, but I wouldn't be who I am. And I, I love who I am, but also I'm genuinely happy. Yeah. And so the sacrifice is all worth it. But now I'm, I'm, it's kind of scarring. You know, like I said, sitting still has been tough. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to, which yeah. is okay. But I'd, I'd like to hope I find balance. All right. Well, thank you, Danny, for your time. Thank you for opening up your doors to the law for, for the community. It's a pleasure, man. It's cool shit. Yeah. This, this is my way of contributing, you know? Yeah. So people get to hear this and connect, hopefully. Conversations, everything. The purpose of this podcast is to open dialogues on a variety of topics pertaining to black males and mental health. The podcast is not a substitute for mental health treatment. Even when guests are trained clinicians, their participation represents their lived experiences in their personal and professional lives and does not constitute therapy. Please visit our website for links to mental health resources. Thank you for listening to the Emotional Lives of Black Men podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play.